Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. That's Ryan McDowell over there is Matt Price, and I'm Dan Myler, guys. Week three is pretty much in the books. We, uh, we, had, we had some good things that happened for sure, some awful things that happened, and then some certainly ugly things. It seemed to me, guys, like it was, a, it was Sunday was a day of horrible clock management. Detroit gave away that game by making bad decisions late in the game and allowing Lamar Jackson to get the football back. It took a record-setting field goal, sure. And yeah, they, there's people on Twitter complaining about the maybe a clock violation on the third down right before that. But really, Detroit did a horrible job running the ball, not going for that first down. And then the Chargers should have given away the game against the Chiefs. I really think Kansas City should have won that game. The other thing, from a fantasy perspective, guys, useless touchdowns. We had Lee Smith, Jody Fortson, Nick Westbrook, Ikeni, uh, Devin Duvernay, and and, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Olamide Zacchaeus. And the names go on and on. Tommy Tremble and Alec Ingold and Peyton Barber, Malcolm Brown, Tyler Conklin scored, Jerry McNichols got in the end zone. Useless fantasy points, Ryan. Even in in leagues where you don't have to set a lineup in these best ball leagues, th- those you just shake your head at those awful touchdowns. Yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a frustrating day or, or week because of what you mentioned. We saw quite a few more injuries this week. That was a little bit of a repeat of last week. That's that's uh, always something we hate to see, and and so many turnovers, so many turnovers uh, in week three. It was. It, I don't think it was quite as bad as last week, but it was kind of a gross week again. Man, it just feels like we're getting off to a rough start to the season, fantasy wise. We we just can't get into a rhythm where we're seeing our studs score all these points, and and now we're missing some of those studs too, with guys like Delvin Cook having to sit out this week. Yeah, I mean, you guys didn't call the Nick Westbrook Akini leading the Titans in targets. I don't, I don't know why, 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 why would you do that? Why wouldn't you? Uh, no, uh, we saw lots of bad stuff this week. You know, AJ Brown after two disappointing games. Now he's he's hurt. You know, targetless and catchless. So uh, a lot of the studs we've been counting on uh, letting us down the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been that way for sure. We, uh, as we always do, we're gonna react to everything that happened in Week Three. And we always start on Thursday night. That saw the Panthers win 24-9, to guys. And really the only news that anybody as Dynasty Managers thinks about here, Ryan, is, is Christian McCaffrey. Left with that hamstring injury, just nine touches in the game for 40 yards. But the stats really don't matter. It's, it's all about how long he's going to be out. And then also how useful Chuba Hubbard can be. He ends up going 11 for 52 on the ground, three for 27 through the air, was useful, but just mixed in in that backfield. It feels to me, guys, like maybe Chuba Hubbard can do what Mike Davis did last year. He could be that kind of player, and if he catches five or six balls a game, he's going to be very useful for us as fantasy managers, Ryan. Yeah, I mean, the offense is basically the same as it was last year, so I I do think we can expect Hubbard to produce – I mean, we saw Royce Freeman in that game as well. He did not look great, uh, I didn't think. So I would think Hubbard would get uh, continue to get the first shot. Uh, it's just a question of how long, as you said, are we missing CMC? We still don't know. I thought we might have more of an official word, but uh, I guess with this injury it's more of a wait and see. So I'm assuming at least three weeks at this point. Uh, and you know, if if you've got McCaffrey, you're always a contender. So it's, it's big news and it's frustrating news. 
Yeah, frustrating for sure. The other stat lines from this game, uh, Sam Darnold, once again, a fringe quarterback one, goes over 300 yards and rushes for two touchdowns. Another receiver that put up nice numbers in this game, Ryan, was Brandon Cooks, nine catches, 112 yards. Another guy that didn't find the end zone, but the 11 targets, encouraging. Once again, he's the only show in town down there in Houston. And if, if I'm an NFL general manager that needs a wide receiver, I'm calling about Brandon Cooks. If I'm a dynasty general manager as well, I'm calling about Brandon Cooks. Yeah, he's he's the only, the only player on that team, really, I want any part of in my weekly lineups. He's continuing to produce. We've... We saw the quarterback switch uh, due to the injury to Tyrod Taylor with, with Davis Mills in, and he, he was far from impressive, but it didn't matter when it comes to Cooks. He uh, put up big numbers again. Uh, you know, as you said, we've got a couple games left, so things could change. But as of right now, he's a top 12 wide receiver on the week. So that would be his second wide receiver one game already through three weeks, a wide receiver two in the other game. Uh, yeah, he, he's quarterback proof. I think – I know I'm. I've been guilty of this. I just keep associating him with these, with his concussion history, and thinking he's one injury away. You hate to think about that. Think that about a player, um, but that has really brought his value down quite a bit, and, and we're still kind of holding that against him. Yeah, and maybe for good reason because that that does linger in all our heads. He's one hit away from from missing significant time and potentially even career threatening type injuries when it comes to these head head injuries. But it's hard to ignore the production, Ryan. He's been so good, and now, like you said, he is quarterback proof. We we don't have to look at well, well, he doesn't have a real quarterback throwing him the football. That's really not the case because Davis Mills, although he looked better than I expected, to be honest with you guys. Uh, he's certainly not a, a top 32 quarterback, let alone a top 16 in the NFL. And he got, he was able to get Cooks the football. Let's move on to the Sunday games, guys, uh, and start in Buffalo where the Bills throttled the football team 43 to 21. It, hey, Matt, last week we were talking about Josh Allen regression. Come on now, bud. You got to give him a little credit here. 358, four touchdowns, added a rushing touchdown, probably the highest scoring player in your league. This week, Josh Allen was magnificent on Sunday. Yeah, he was. Uh, this is this. These are the games that Josh Allen can bring you, you know. And he didn't even have uh, a huge, great game on the ground, so he still has that upside uh, that's untapped. Uh, Washington, obviously, you know, not as good as we thought of a defense he's going to be. Somehow, not really getting any pressure on the quarterback, uh, and that's been, uh, you know, some, something that has caused Josh Allen's inconsistencies in the past. So, uh, when he's got that clean pocket, he's he's a he's a great quarterback, Dan. He certainly is. You know, the one negative maybe is another one of these teams. It was the tight end Knox, the running back Zach Moss that caught a touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders caught a couple. I, I know that helped a, a few dynasty owners out there. But like Stefan Diggs, six for 62. You expect a bigger stat line when he throws for 358. Um, the other two receivers, though, I mentioned Sanders, the two touchdowns, Matt. Five catches for 94 yards and the two scores for Sanders. Cole Beasley went 11 for 98 on 13 targets. These guys are putting up numbers. Yeah, we talked about Beasley in week one uh, as as kind of like a, a cheap way to get access to this offense and a cheap way to get targets. He now has 13 targets uh, in two out of three games. Uh, so, you know, you're never gonna, probably going to get those huge touchdown weeks, you know, those, those league-winning kind of weeks, but – uh, I don't mind 11 for 98, you know, 20 points on my in my lineup from a, from a guy that I, you know, paid, what, a third-round pick for? Can you get him for a third at this point? Um, so, yeah, those are some cheap targets to get access to this offense. From a Washington football team perspective, Ryan, there's not a lot to really hang our hat on. Taylor Heineke went for 212, a couple of touchdowns, but threw two picks. Uh, Terry McLaurin coming off that big game last week, just four for 62. Logan Thomas found the end zone late. So at least that, that made his day, uh, sufferable. What about Antonio Gibson? Because if it's not for that one screen pass that goes for 73 and a score, we're looking at a stat line of 12 carries for 31 yards and just a couple of targets. Uh, the, the screen pass for the score really saved the day. It really did. And that, that was certainly a great play. Glad to see him get... Uh, continue to be a little more involved in the passing game. But like you said, outside of that one play, it, it was frustrating. You look at the past two weeks, he's RB25, RB31, currently sitting as the RB14, even uh, even with that, that 
long touchdown play. You would like to see it, uh, you know, rank even higher than that. I think a lot of it is is the defense just not quite being as good as we mentioned. Matt hit on that as well, and um, that I I think that's impacting McClure, or I'm sorry, I think that's impacting Gibson just from the standpoint that uh, they're behind in games, not able to control the clock maybe uh, like we thought they would be. Um, I, I love Gibson. I mean, I think in our projection show a few weeks ago, I'd, I called him the 101 in Dynasty next year, and uh, that's certainly not looking like it's going to happen. No, it's not. But, you know, that one play does show that upside and really makes Dynasty managers shake their head as to why they're not trying to get Gibson the ball in space more because he can do those types of things. He should have gone down multiple times, especially at about inside the 10. There was no way he was going to score, and some, somehow he finds the pylon uh, to, to get into the end zone. So Gibson's a great player, but really underutilized. Reminds me a little bit of Aaron Jones in Green Bay a couple of years ago when Mike McCarthy just, just would not allow him to get the ball the 16 to 24 times he needs to get it every single game. Uh, let's jump over to the Bears and the Browns. Chicago Falls 26-6 to in this game. I think most Dynasty managers were watching this one for Justin Fields. Even though the Browns came out on the top, they, there was nothing great really in Cleveland. Mayfield 246 in a score. Chubb ran for 84 but didn't even get a target in the passing game. Kareem Hunt went 10 for 81 and found Paydirt. Also caught 6 for 74. So if you were forced to play him, you feel good about that. Really not a whole lot to talk about outside of Odell Beckham Jr., Matt, or, or excuse me, Ryan. He comes back and posts five catches for 77 yards on nine targets. Yeah, it was good to see OBJ back in the lineup. The Browns certainly needed him with Landry uh, suffering that knee injury last week. And uh, I think we had talked about the, the reliance of that Browns offense on the on the tight ends when it comes to the passing game. So, they needed OBJ back on the field, and uh, I, I thought he was, played really well, uh, led the team in targets with nine and went five for 77. So uh, it looks like he's right back in that, that wide receiver two range. Uh, stick him in your lineups every week. Yeah, as long as he's healthy, he looks like a guy we can count on. Justin Fields, Matt, maybe not so much. I, I saw a lot of talk on Twitter uh, Sunday morning talking about how if you have fields on your team in a super flex league, plug him in there and he's a QB too. If you, well, why'd you draft him? I saw a couple times, if you weren't going to play him right out of the shoot, he ends up six for 20 passing just 68 yards, sacked nine times, held onto the ball way too much. And Matt, just three carries for 12 yards. Yeah, that's that's why you thought you could plug him in was that rushing floor, right? Like that's that's why we drafted one of the reasons why we drafted Field. You know, he has a nice deep ball and all that, but really for fantasy, we want those rushing yards. And last week, coming in uh, in relief of Andy Dalton, ten rushing attempts in just two and a half quarters. This week, three just three in a full game. Uh, I saw a tweet from Troy King at TK Mode on Twitter. Field says fewer rushing yards in week three than Dalton had in weeks one and two. So that is definitely not what we signed up for uh, with Justin Fields. And and watching the offense it honestly kind of just felt like like Nagy is trying to force him into the same offense as Andy Dalton he's not playing to the strengths that Fields offers uh you know as his strengths of the runner obviously in this game and his ability to play outside of structure so uh it feels like they need to tune this offense around Fields if he's going to remain the starter and if he's going to they're going to force him into this Andy Dalton offense it doesn't seem like it's going to work that said next week I think they get Detroit so a little bit easier of a matchup Cleveland obviously is a very good defense so uh, hopefully we'll see any more see more next week yeah, hopefully we do. I was I was very disappointed in how Fields played. He he looked like he was taking way too long to start his progressions in the pocket. He didn't have that much time. But even when they did have those quick outlet and hot routes, he wasn't getting the ball out to those. He he looked lost, looking down at the rush at times. And, you know, honestly, with that offensive line, which ranks as one of the worst in the NFL, it's not that much of a surprise, but it certainly is frustrating because we all see Fields' upside and uh, really his potential to be not only dynamic as a runner, but also as a passer. And we didn't see any of that with only 68 passing yards on Sunday. Let's jump over to Baltimore and Detroit. This was a competitive ball game. As I said in the opening, the Lions should have won it, but lost in the last second. Record-setting kick. That was pretty exciting. Off the crossbar and in. Ravens win 19-17 to behind Lamar Jackson. 287 and a touchdown. Should have been more, though. 
because Hollywood Brown couldn't haul, haul in anything, it felt like. At least three drops that I saw, guys. At least two of those go for long touchdowns. So Lamar Jackson's line looks way better. Uh, Hollywood Browns obviously looks way better if he can haul in a couple of those. One of them in the back of the end zone with nobody around him. One of them when he got behind the defense running downfield, nobody behind him. Uh, both of those are big, big plays that really we need as Lamar Jackson managers. And because that didn't happen, his numbers look a little slighted. Now, Mark Andrews, he had a decent game, five for 109. That's acceptable. The running game, however, Ryan, we're used to Baltimore putting up big numbers in the running game. And on Sunday, Latavius Murray, seven for 28 yards, no targets. Tyson Williams, five for 22 on the ground, no catches on one target. So these running backs aren't foolproof. This seemed like a decent matchup against Detroit, but they come come up with, with under three points each in PPR leagues. Yeah, I came away from last week's game uh, against Kansas City a, l- a little hopeful when it comes to Tyson Williams. I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, and then in this game, even when Baltimore's basically leading almost the entire game, uh, he, he only gets the five carries, uh, and, and it was Murray who looked like uh, the, the lead back, although not by much, not much of a difference. And Like you said, we really don't want to use either of those guys. Um, I, I think it's it's just becoming a Buffalo Bills situation. I can't remember if I mentioned that on the show last week or or, or maybe in an article, but uh, – you know, Josh Allen runs so much. We're seeing, of course, Lamar Jackson runs so much that the running backs just basically become useless. Yeah, and that's what happened here for Baltimore. In Detroit, however, not quite useless. DeAndre Swift, 14 for 47 and a score, also caught seven passes for 60 yards. He's going to be an RB1 on the week. And Jamal Williams, he got into the end zone, 12 for 42 on the ground, and the rushing touchdown also caught two for 25. One last thing on the Lions, Khalif Raymond, six catches, 68 yards on 10 targets. He's probably on the waiver wire in most leagues, unless you're in a real deep one. Guy to monitor for sure is some of the other names like Quintus Cephas, who is just one for eight. Amon Ross St. Brown, just one for two yards. Uh, Those guys didn't come through, but Khalif Raymond was open in the middle of the field. I mentioned Marquise Brown's stats, Matt. What do you think of that? He, he drops the passes. I'm sure everybody saw it. Is this, does this create any, any kind of window to go get Hollywood Brown on your roster? I, I don't know if it's creating a window. I mean, a little bit because if he had did have the two-touchdown game, then that window is probably shut. But he's been very productive, I think, this season. Like, you know, at least exceeded my expectations. So I would like to go try to buy him for maybe like a second or third or maybe even two seconds uh, if, if the price gets that high. And the trade finder, not a lot of stuff going on there. But Logan Thomas straight up. Uh, so, you know, if you're in a tight end league that's not a tight end premium league. And, you know, Thomas may, might be your starter, but. I feel like I might want to get Brown in that situation, depending on the makeup of my team. Uh, this is a weird one, too. Uh, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, KJ Hamler, and Sammy Watkins for Marquise Brown. I, I think I kind of want Brown over, over all of those guys. Um, so uh, I think there is a, a, a chance to go get him this week, and uh, I'm going to be trying to do that. Yeah, I'd be trying if I didn't have him in all my leagues already, but <laughs> but Hollywood Brown is in my on my on my roster and in my starting lineup in every every league already, which isn't a bad thing. How about the Cardinals and the Jaguars? Jags led 19 to 10 into the third and and late into the third quarter and then Arizona just scores 21 straight and beats the Jags down 31 to 19. Kyler Murray didn't throw a touchdown but ran for one, so I guess that saves his day a little bit. Story here probably James Conner, maybe? He scores twice, but just 11 for 43. A.J. Green had a nice game, 5 for 112 through the air on six targets. Um, I, I just don't know how to read this Cardinals offense. If it's if it's not Kyler Murray and it's not DeAndre Hopkins, we're, there's just not a lot to get excited about, really, because Edmonds and Conner, they're sharing. Kirk is going to have his big games, and he went 7 for 104 in this game as well. Green, I guess, fills in because Hopkins was banged up and had a disappointing game. There's just not a lot outside of your big names. In Jacksonville, however... Trevor Lawrence, we probably can't even rely on him as a QB2 guy. He's, he's throwing too many interceptions, making bad decisions. 219 a score and two interceptions in this game. And then James Robinson, maybe the only silver lining for the Jaguars, Ryan, at least for fantasy, 15 carries, 88 yards and a touchdown, also caught six balls for 46. 
Yeah, there was obviously panic after week one with, with James Robinson's usage and uh, being being outproduced by Carlos Hyde. And we saw that shift last week, uh, although not not necessarily by by a great amount. And, and then it's it's totally kind of back to normal or back to expectation here in week three. Um, like you said, Jacksonville was uh, in the lead or at least in a close game through most of that. So that uh, that helps Robinson when it comes to uh, his opportunity on the ground. But I think the, the real bright spot for dynasty managers, for fantasy players in general, is Robinson's usage in the passing game. Six targets, caught all six for 46 yards. Uh, so he's he's trending up. Uh, I don't think the value is going to bounce back a ton yet. Um, after after that week one panic, if it did, I would suggest a, a chance to sell him. I just don't think that opportunity is there yet. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it just yet. I will say that Carlos Hyde got a couple shots inside the five-yard line. That's a little bit frustrating. So while the numbers look good, Hyde did get those opportunities around the goal line. Not exactly what we want to see because very rarely is anybody playing Carlos Hyde in their lineups. And and most of us are trying to get get a little bit of usage out of uh, Robinson out of that backfield. How about the Chargers? They upset the Chiefs 30-24 to in the ballgame in Kansas City. Justin Herbert was great, 281-4. So that's the game we've been waiting for from him. Uh, first time having that monster game carrying Dynasty managers to wins. He hit Mike Williams early and often, 7 for 122 and two scores. Gets that late touchdown, kind of as gravy for Dynasty managers. We all expected him to run out the clock, kick the field goal, win the game. Uh, Williams catches the touchdown, and that turns him from a good wide receiver one into a high-end wide receiver one. I'm wondering, Ryan, we mentioned the, the term wide receiver one and Mike Williams, and people get a little bit shaky. Well, he did it this week. He's done it in the past. Are we gotta, do we have to start thinking about Mike Williams as a fringe wide receiver one for our fantasy rosters? From a fantasy standpoint, we have to. In his, in his career, he scored more than 23 fantasy points six times in a game. Uh, in, in a game, six times, I should say. And three of those are this year. So three of the six 23-point uh, fantasy games have come in the past three weeks. So, uh, you know, after week one, we were hopeful. After week two, we said, lock him in your lineup. And now after after week three, I think our expectations can change. Now, the, the dynasty value is, is a different, you know, a different category because we have seen multiple years of injuries, multiple years of up and down production. He's a free agent at the end of the season. So there's, there's of course, so much that goes into his long-term value, but if you're talking just this short term, the rest of this season, yeah, I think he, he's a wide receiver one. He's getting treated that way by his team. He's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If you're a contender, Ryan, are you willing to give up a late first for Mike Williams? Absolutely. E- easily. Yeah. Easily. Yep. Yeah, he's right up there with Keenan Allen now, who had another game, uh, eight for 50 in a score on 12 targets. Uh, Herbert's spreading the ball around. Eckler got his 11 for 55 on the ground, six for 52 and a score through the air as well. From the Chiefs' point of view, Kelsey was great, seven for 104. Tyreek did he did enough, I guess, five for 56, but fumbled. Uh, also had a 10 yard run, and then Mahomes 260, three touchdowns and two picks. 45 rushing yards. His stat line was just fine, guys. He's bailing out of the pocket a little bit early. He's looking for the big play all the time. The ball's not coming out as quickly as it has maybe in the past. And some of that has to do with the offensive line. And, and he's taking some big hits. But he's not. he doesn't exactly look like that MVP Patrick Mahomes that we've seen over the last couple of years. Speaking of which, guys that aren't exactly what we were hoping they'd be, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a nice game, Matt. He he went over 100 yards 17, on 17 carries, uh, two catches for nine, and got in the end zone. What do you think of Clyde? I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed with this game. It's nice to see that usage. Uh, we still have some issues in the passing game. Uh, only five targets now total in three games, I believe. Uh, so that's not great. You know, you, you draft CEH high in your rookie draft, maybe the 101 overall last year, you know, top first round pick uh, in, in a lot of startup leagues. Uh, and he's he's kind of largely disappointed uh, in 16 career games. He scored below 10 fantasy points uh, seven times and above 15 points only four times. In 2020, he had the 16th most touches in the NFL and only had five touchdowns. Now he has six total in 16 games. Uh, coming into this week, 
Uh, so this is this is pre-week three stats. But coming into week three, there were 51 running backs with 10 or more carries, and PFF graded him 51 out of 51. Not great. 50th out of 51 in yards after contact. Also not great. 49th out of 51 in their elus- elusive rating. So uh, I think you might be able to say that some of this, at least for this season, is due to that high ankle sprain he suffered back in the second preseason game uh, in August. But this is the first week he's been really, and maybe this is the first week he's been really healthy. Uh, but the passing game usage, like I said, five targets in three games that's not what we thought we were getting when we drafted uh Clyde Edwards Hilaire so uh you have to think that comes up a little bit but it just doesn't seem like this this offense wants to throw the ball to the running back uh so uh, I'm happy to get out now if I can uh I don't know maybe maybe you can get a first and a second for him that's even that feels like a little bit of a stretch maybe off of this big game he has been moved a ton in the last four days uh he's he's been involved in 26 trades in just the last four days on the trade finder uh and there's too many to bring up but I did want to pose this one to you guys because I thought it was interesting Saquon Barkley and a second or Clyde Edwards Hilaire and a first that, that. Yeah, that one. That sounds like a lot of fun. We're we're kind of just shuffling guys that we need we need to play better than what they have to this point, and you know, paying a little bit more for the guy who's done it in the past. I don't think I'm doing the Clyde side of that trade. Yeah, I think I'm keeping Barkley. I'm keeping the Barkley side of the trade, most likely. Uh, let's jump into the Saints and the Patriots, guys. Uh, the Saints win this one 28-13. Elvin Kamara w- really stole the show, 24 for 89. Also caught 3 for 29 and a score. That's good enough for us as Elvin Kamara managers. Jameis Winston, on the other hand, 128 and two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. That was just fine. Taysom Hill came in and snaked a, a rushing touchdown down inside the five-yard line, and... You know, really, there's it's same old, same old, right? When it comes to the Saints, Ryan, they're outside of Camara. We're not going to use many of these guys unless we're really in a pinch. And if we are in a pinch and are forced to, we're going to squint the whole game because it's not going to feel good. No, and it's crazy to think this about this team because for so long, and, and I'm talking about 10 to 15 years, it feels like this has been uh, one of the teams we could rely on to put up big fantasy points for us and that's just not what this team is anymore. So hopefully you've already adjusted the, to that. It's Alvin Kamara and really nothing else. You know, we thought maybe Troutman or Jawan Johnson or Marquez Callaway. Callaway did catch a touchdown in this game, but uh, just just not enough. We're not seeing enough usage in the passing game overall or enough volume, I should say. Kamara did have 24 carries. That's a new career high for him. Uh, we would like to see, I, I guess, more work in the passing game for him and, and maybe fewer carries, but uh, still a good sign that they're they're leaning on him. Yeah, they were leaning on him. Tony Hill, uh, six carries for 32, also found the end zone in the running game. Wish that could have gone to Kamara. From, from a New England perspective, Mac Jones threw his first pick of the season, or, or of his career, I guess. In fact, he threw three of them. And really didn't look all that good. Threw for 270 in the one touchdown, but uh, but really didn't look nearly as good as he did throughout the preseason and throughout the first couple weeks. And then Damian Harris could not get him going on the ground. Six carries, 14 yards. We had an injury to James White. It, it just never came together, really, for the Patriots. Uh, Jacoby Myers went 9 for 94 on 14 targets. I guess that's the lone uh, bright spot for fantasy managers when it comes to the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots are, at this point, really just one of those teams that don't have any plug-and-play guys on their roster. Uh, We've already said that about uh, a couple of teams, and and we could say it about more. There's no player on on the Patriots roster that I know every week I want them in my fantasy lineup. They certainly don't. I thought maybe Damian Harris was inching towards that after the first couple of weeks. That usage and the inability really to get anything going on the ground in New England certainly uh, put that to a halt. And and considering he's not a big part of the passing offense ever, um, that just limits his upside anyway. Let's talk about the Falcons who squeaked by the Giants, uh, 17-14. Matt Ryan, 243 and two touchdowns. I guess that's fine. He's really struggling. He, he, he's not getting the ball out on a time. It feels like he's a step slower than maybe he was a year ago. Reminds me a little bit, Ryan, of, of Ben Roethlisberger over the last couple of years. Like he's down that same path where, yes, he still has it. He can still see what's going on in front of him, make the right read. 
but the ball's not out quite as fast and it's it doesn't have the same kind of zip and 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 the same kind of uh, velocity when it comes to getting it to the receiver and giving him enough room to make make something happen with his legs. Yeah, he's he's definitely on that on that Ben Roethlisberger uh, pathway, and you know maybe maybe he's a year behind what we're seeing from Ben right now. But uh, regardless, it's not good. And and the really bad thing for both of those teams is they have they have no plan. They have nobody behind uh, those two veterans that that they can really you know realistically give a shot to and and expect any any better production. So uh, it really stinks because we're talking about six. Uh, players between those two teams that could be fantasy, not just stars, but difference makers, the receivers in Pittsburgh. And, uh, and, and we'll get to them more in a moment, I know. But of course, Pitts and Ridley, uh, Ridley had a, a fine game. Uh, Pitts didn't even see a target until uh, I think the middle of the second half. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening there, it's, but it's, it's yeah, frustrating. It's- it's very frustrating. The offensive line is not great. They don't have a real running back, so they can't establish that part of the game, which which then can't create that play-action passing that we expected with this offense that came over from Tennessee and did it so well. So they're just missing the pieces, and it starts with Matt Ryan. Kelvin Ridley, you mentioned, fine. Eight for 61, got a red zone look, 11 targets, but we're not winning leagues. There were a lot of us out there thinking – thinking maybe Kelvin Ridley could be the overall wide receiver one this year. And that seems far, far away right now because just to get him the football, they have to run bubble screens and little, little like uh, things that you do for some of these small slot receivers um, that, you know, really Kelvin Ridley should be able to get downfield and get open. And he is, it's just that I'm not, I'm not convinced Matt Ryan can get him the football. You, You also mentioned Pitts two for 35 on three targets Yuck, that is just gross. The Giants had a chance to win this game. Probably should have won the game. Daniel Jones, 266, didn't throw an interception, also didn't throw a touchdown. Saquon Barkley did find the end zone, though, Matt. Yeah, and, I mean, he looked good out there. I thought he did He did pull himself out in the first half, kind of limped off the field, but came back in the, in the second half. So we'll have to watch that and see if that injury kind of flared up, the, little, the ankle, little ankle, or whatever it was. Uh, but the, the most encouraging thing for me was his usage in the passing game. His back seven targets actually tied for the team lead with, with Colin Johnson. Remember Colin Johnson from Jack, Jacksonville? Uh, he's on the Giants now. But, uh, no, Saquon tied for the team lead there. He, that touchdown was really nice. He kind of flew four, hour, four yards in the air over that offensive line. So uh, I'm encouraged with uh, what we've seen from him, and with with Daniel Jones playing better than I think it, it really anyone thought. Then you know maybe there, maybe there's something here for for Saquon still, uh, and he might be able to get that first round round draft capital back. I think this is a messy situation in New York. Galladay came in questionable, got on the field, and caught four for 64, but they lost Darius Slayton in the game. Sterling Shepard went down and didn't finish the game as well. They were they were relying on guys like C.J. Board, and, and you mentioned Johnson. Evan Ingram came back, but he doesn't look like he's really ready for prime time just yet. And then Kadarius Toney can hardly get on the field, and they all talked about him as this big weapon when he, was, when he finally got healthy in training camp. So it's a messy situation in New York. I don't think they have it figured out just yet either. Hopefully they do by the end of the season because – Really, with all those names, fellas, it lines up for for an offense full of weapons, and they should be able to do way more than what they did against a very poor Falcons off uh, defense on Sunday. Yeah, I, and I think that's part of. I think the injuries are part of what helped Barkley see some increased um, passing game usage. So hopefully that continues uh, since he uh, since he actually produced in that way. So regardless of the injuries, maybe he gets more involved. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Back to the Falcons, thinking dynasty and thinking long term. Even though he's off to a, a very disappointing start, this entire team is. I don't think we can call Pitts a buy low. His his value is, you know, maybe has dropped a little bit, but um, it's he's he's still kind of the uh, you, you know the favorite the favorite child of dynasty managers. He's he's not going for uh, below market anywhere. Uh, Ridley, I think, is more interesting if you want to target him in in dynasty trades. You just have to have a, a more long term view with him. And I think I think 
with Pitts. I know today was obviously disappointing. He hasn't had that blow up game yet, but I do think I do. It does just feel like it's coming to me. Uh, maybe that's just my my flag planting. I don't know, but I did see some encouraging numbers for the offense in general coming into Week Three uh, from this article I read on on the Athletic. Uh, the Falcons have averaged five point three points uh, plays, five point three yards per play with Pitts on the field, and only two point six when he's not on the field. And eight, uh, there were eight. Uh, excuse me, nine pass plays over nine yards with Pitts in on the field and zero without. So I do think the offense has been better with him on there. It just hasn't really shifted his direction yet. And like you guys said. Matt Ryan is, is is maybe maybe the, the the thing that's wrong with this offense, but I don't think it's necessarily anything that Pitts has done wrong at this point. So there's no reason to to discount him uh, right now. Yeah, he's he's not going to go for any kind of discount anywhere. He's not even a lot of times. You, the three of us talk about maybe you don't get a discount, but he's more available today than he was yesterday. I don't even think we're we're to that range just yet. It, we we talk always about how these rookies don't lose value in their rookie season, and he is not going to lose a lick of it throughout his. The Bengals really hammered the Steelers 24 to 10. This wasn't much of a game, even though it was a two touchdown game on the scoreboard. The Bengals really dominated it from start to finish. Joe Burrow threw three touchdowns. But the story in this game is all about the rookies, fellas. Najee Harris, he had a huge game. Jamar Chase had his first two touchdown game of his career, has four in three games already. And guys, I mentioned Harris. If, if I had come to you and said, hey, somebody from this Bengals-Steelers game is going to catch 14 balls, you'd be going through names like Chase and, and Tyler Boyd and, and Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. And it was Najee Harris. 14 catches for 102 yards, just dump off Central. Also had 14 carries, so 28 total touches, 40 yards on the ground. Harris was really, really good. He did a lot for fantasy. Jamar Chase did more and looked even better. Four catches, 65 yards, and two touchdowns, and looked like he could have caught 10 or 12, or he could have been the one that caught the 14 balls. He was open all the time, and if it weren't for the little bit of pressure the Steelers were getting on Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase would have had a blow-up game. The two touchdowns are great, but the sky is the limit for this guy. Uh, These rookies looked incredible. Yeah, and those are the two players we were debating as the 101. Um, most of them, or they both went in the top two in, in most single quarterback uh, rookie drafts, and, and we're seeing why. Uh, that's Harris and Chase, of course. Uh, both of them produced, as you said. I mean, Najee Harris, 14 catches and, and 19 targets. Both of those are... Um, both of those are records for a rookie running back by far, not even close. Um, so a huge game. You, you have to expect that type of usage to, uh, to continue because Deontay Johnson's already hurt. Juju Smith-Schuster left this game with an injury. Chase Claypool left the game twice with an injury, came back both times. Uh, so we'll see uh, what happens with Claypool. But uh, regardless, they're, they're thin at the wide receiver depth chart. And even if they weren't, Big Ben can't get them the ball. So that's where all the dump-offs come. He, they even dumped it off on fourth and ten, one of the dumbest play calls we've seen <laughs> in in quite a while. Obviously, that didn't work. Uh, he, as, as great as Harris was, he got swallowed up pretty quickly on that one. Uh, yeah, that was. I, I'm going to give credit to Cincinnati on that. They brought everybody up. It looked like they were going to blitz the whole group, and they all took a step forward. Ben started dumping dumping it off, and they all dropped out. And you know, they really suckered him into throwing that check down which isn't that difficult to do to Ben Roethlisberger at this point. He wants to throw the short one. He's not getting the ball down the field at all. Uh, Chase Claypool did look pretty good, though. Nine for 96. He was hobbled, as you mentioned. 15 targets. He was really the only show left in town. Um, man, that Steeler, that Steelers team looks like a shell of itself. The the one that we saw early last year and, and in 2019 just doesn't exist anymore. The Steelers, they look rough. Um, Ryan, you mentioned on the show notes that the question, when does Ben get benched? If they had anybody behind him, it might've already happened. Yeah. I mean, Mason Rudolph's still there. Some of the, you know, the same names that we've heard, uh, I think Josh Dobbs, I believe he's still there. I think he's on IR right now. Not, not even sure what that injury is, honestly, but there's no, there's no real options. There's definitely no long-term options, but uh, I mean, if they keep losing, at some point they've got to to just pull the plug here and you know maybe maybe there's a 
5% chance that Rudolph is the 2022 starter. I don't think that's realistic. I, I would be in dynasty though. I would be buying all three of those wide receivers. Uh, Harris, again, he's, he's producing now and, and I don't think there's any type of discount on him, but uh, after after the week two game in one dynasty league, I was offered Henry Ruggs for um, I'm sorry, I was offered Chase Claypool for Henry Ruggs even up, and, and I I scooped that up and took Claypool, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to start him very much this year, but uh, I'm glad to have him long term. Yeah, long term, he looks like a wide receiver one in the future. Don't don't you think like once they get. I mean, I guess they're not probably not going to give up until it's clear they're out of playoff contention, but it feels like they should see what they have with Haskin at some point, you know, former, former first round pick. Not, not that we think that there's necessarily anything there, but they did sign him. So maybe they can reclaim him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's something there. We all doubt it, right? Something, at least a more live arm than, than Ben has right now. Somebody who can throw the ball deep to. Yeah, but just another statue in the pocket that, you know, does it process information fast enough and get the ball out. You know, those, those are the things that were his downfall with Washington. Nothing we saw in the preseason shows he's ready to move past that, at least from what I saw. Um, The Titans, they won 25 to 16, beat the Colts on Sunday. Ryan Tannehill had his best game of the year, 197 and three touchdowns, 56 rushing yards, put a cherry on top for his dynasty managers, but did throw the two picks. Derrick Henry, oh my gosh, he's he's already carried the ball 80 times this year, guys, 80 times in three games. Uh, He goes 28 for 113, didn't find the end zone, but caught three passes for 31. That looks just fine. It was the receivers, though, for Tennessee, Ryan, because these these kind of no-names, guys that we didn't expect to contribute this season, let alone this early in the season, were forced to because A.J. Brown wasn't on the field. Julio Jones wasn't on the field at times. A.J. Brown, no catches. Julio, three for 47. So what's the deal? Well, the deal with Brown is we've already seen two frustrating games, and, and now he's hurt, and he was ruled out. Um, I'm sorry, he was not ruled out quickly, but uh, obviously never even attempted to get back on the field. Wasn't really getting any kind of treatment. Didn't go to the locker room. Just never came back. So that's that was an odd situation. You would think after he went out that, that Julio Jones would get peppered with targets. That didn't happen either. Four total targets in the game. And then late in the game when they were trying to uh, sew it up, he wasn't even on the field. Uh, that, that coaching staff... Uh, Mike Vrabel basically called that a, a management situation. I don't know what that means. Uh, you know, when it's late in the game, you want your best players out there. I have no idea what's going on. They're they're lucky to get a win here, in my opinion. Yeah, they a late play to to seal the game. They had guys like uh, Chester Rogers, Michael Pruitt, Cameron Batson, and Jeff Swaim on the field and on a passing down. And really are fortunate to come out of that game with a win against the banged up Colts who got more banged up, really. Quentin Nelson, he gets hurt. That affects the running game. That affected Carson Wentz, who came in, busted up already and and really didn't look all that good. 194, didn't turn the ball over, but had no mobility in the pocket. Jonathan Taylor, just 10 carries for 64 yards and one catch for eight. I guess if there's something to talk about here, it's that Naheem Hines, Matt, was involved once again, both as a runner a little bit. He got in the end zone on the ground and then as a pass catcher, five for 54 on six targets. Yeah, and it's going to be like this with Hines, I think. You know, last week he disappointed only like one carry and two targets, something like that. Week one, he he played well for us on in fan, on fantasy teams. And, you know, it seems like he's 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 fine for a flex play, maybe a running back too, if if you're really in, in, in you know, hurting. If you've lost CMC, if you've lost Alvin Cook, you know, somebody that can fill in there. Uh, and it, you know, this week looked, looked pretty good, scored the touchdown on the receiving five out of six, tar- caught five out of six targets, uh, six, six, six carries to Jonathan Taylor's 10. So, uh, he, he looks good to me. Uh, if you, if you want to go get him, I think you can probably get him for uh, a late second. If you had to pay that much, maybe even an early third, someone might be looking to get out there, uh, in the trade finder, mostly throw in, de- uh, throw in, 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 in most of the deals he's involved in. Uh, one I saw that I did like was sending Lillard Fournette for, for Naheem Hines and KJ Osborne. Uh, so something like that, I think, is is a possibility. And the nice thing about Hines is I don't think he's just this you know this one year play. He's going to be a thorn in Jonathan Taylor's side. 
uh, for the foreseeable future. He just signed that big contract, three years for $18.6 million, with 12 of that guaranteed, and there's really no outs in that contract until after 2022. So if you are able to go acquire him, he's a, he's a multi-year asset, I think, in our PPR leagues. I can't believe I just heard that. It's good that Naheem Hines is a thorn in Jonathan Taylor's side, Matt. <laughs> good, good for for us that didn't pay up for Taylor and are you know slumming it with uh, Naheem Hines of the world in our running back slots. Yeah, yeah, the the zero RB theory fellas that are out there. Uh, guys, we're sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore unique, fun, easy-to-play games like More or Less, Knockout Kings, Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or Touchdown Dance. Play any of the major sports such as the NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DLF Premium for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit 100%, doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image from Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Uh, the Broncos, they blanked the Jets 26-0 to on Sunday. Teddy Bridgewater went for 235 and 25 rushing yards, but didn't get into the end zone. So those of us that used him as a QB2 in Superflex leagues came out disappointed. I guess, really, if you played anybody, you're relatively disappointed in this game because Melvin Gordon, he, he scored, but just 61 yards on the ground. Javante Williams, he scored. Just 29 on the ground, added 3 for 33 in the air. Tim Patrick saved his day with a deep ball down the sideline late to go 5 for 98. Cortland Sutton disappointed, 5 for 37. Noah Fant did the same, just 2 for 15. The Broncos kicked the Jets' ass, and we didn't get anything from anybody, it felt like. The Jets, especially. Zach Wilson, 160, no touchdowns, two picks. Couldn't use the running backs. Michael Carter was trash. Couldn't use the wide receiver. Uh, Corey Davis couldn't get open, and when he did, he didn't catch the ball, just 5 for 41. There's really nothing to say here, Ryan. No, I mean, it's it's terrible for the Jets, and, and that was a big storyline of the offseason was, should we expect kind of the same old story from the Jets, uh, basically being one of the worst teams in the league, or or can this new coaching staff and, and these three um, key rookies on offense turn things around and they definitely have not so far the Jets are another one of those teams you can't start any of those players at all Corey Davis had a had a strong week one has been pretty quiet since then Michael Carter's kind of gaining and and starting to take over that backfield but it doesn't even matter because they're getting hammered all the time Uh, Elijah Moore another down game also uh, got a concussion in this game so terrible again short term long term I still want Wilson on my team and I still want uh, Elijah Moore on my team for sure. So I would be targeting those guys. Like we said with most of these other rookies, I don't think there's anybody out there panic selling uh, on either of those two players, uh, but maybe you can find the situation. Uh, a contending team has has Zach Wilson is and is looking for a Derek Carr type. Uh, maybe that's the, the start of a deal uh, that you could make in a super flex league. With all these interceptions for Zach Wilson, I I certainly see some dynasty managers starting to start to fret quite a bit and, and bail out uh, relatively soon, especially it happens if it happens again next week. How about the Dolphins and the Raiders? This one went to overtime. The Raiders kicked two field goals in overtime. Dolphins only kicked one, so Las Vegas wins, thirty-one to twenty-eight. Derek Carr, three eighty-six again, just piling up the stats. Two touchdowns. One pick. Uh, other than that, the running game, surprisingly, guys, Peyton Barber, 23 carries for 111 yards and found pay dirt. He also caught three passes for 31. So Barber is suddenly somebody we're, we're thinking about putting in our starting lineups. Uh, and then the pass catchers for, <laughs> for the Raiders. The pass catchers for the Raiders. 
Um, Brian Edwards, three for 89. Henry Ruggs, four for 78. And then Hunter Renfro, another guy. We're probably surprised, but we got to start thinking about putting him in our lineup. Five for 77 and a touchdown. Darren Waller caught five for 54. So the ball gets spread out well there. If there's a story here, dynasty-wise, Ryan, it probably lies on Miami side of things. Malcolm Brown gets the start, but just 7 for 31 in the touchdown. Miles Gaskin, 13 for 65. From the pass catching, Jalen Waddle, guys. 12 catches for 58 yards. A lot of underneath stuff on 13 targets. And then Mike Gusecki, 10 for 86 on 12 targets. With Jacoby Brissett in the game, he was, he was slinging it. He was getting it out. He was throwing it around the ballpark. Not necessarily pushing it down the field, but Gasecki and Waddle are suddenly guys we're thinking about a lot. I think we have to, especially Waddle. And you think about this offense in general. Obviously, Jacoby Brissett is is not the future. He's he's barely the present in Miami, just waiting for Tua to, to get healthy. None of those running backs are the future. I, I don't want to use any of them. They cancel each other out. Jalen Waddle is really the one piece here who is kind of a cornerstone of this offense. And uh, I mean, even Gasecki is a free agent after this year. Will Fuller, who made his debut in this game, is is on a one-year deal. So Jalen Waddle should be the player that they really focus on. And, and to see him uh, get 13 targets, and, and catch 12 of those, uh, even if it is a backup quarterback and, and largely garbage time trying to come back, it's still impressive and noteworthy in my opinion. Yeah, I remember Gasecki was hot garbage in week one, didn't even catch a pass, and then last week three for 41, now 10 for 86. Maybe he works his way into a place where you can use him as a back-end tight end one once again like he was last year, but that's probably the best-case scenario. Maybe he does enough that you can get something for him on the trade block from a contender that needs a fringe tight end one at some point. Uh, After that, not a lot to talk about as far as the rest of this offense goes outside of Will Fuller got on the field for the first time, three catches for 20 yards. So a guy that we're going to be monitoring moving forward. The next game we need to talk about the Rams. They beat the Buccaneers 34 to 24. Matthew Stafford was magnificent. 343 and four touchdowns in the ball game. Two of those go to Cooper Cup. Deshaun Jackson gets deep. Wide open multiple times, ends up catching three for 120 and a score on five targets. So, you know, we watched the game. We we saw Stafford spread it out quite a bit, but most of it really went to Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, on the other hand, Ryan, is just just not a big part of the offense to this point in the season. He hasn't been yet. Came into the week with games of wide receiver 46 and wide receiver 44. Uh, currently, with a couple games left in the uh, in the week, he's the wide receiver 57. Uh, so this is one of those teams that we see the, the top two guys, Woods and Cooper Cup, uh, kind of taking turns with their big games. But now we're looking uh, at three games in a row of a sample size with Woods disappointing. At this point, there's just no way you can start him. He's a little bit older. He's always been one of those guys whose value has been uh, less than his production. So, you know, this might be a situation where you're just you're caught holding the bag because if he's not producing, his value is going to drop so quickly. Yeah, and it, it seems feels like-, like that's already happening. Sorry, man. Oh, no, I was just going to say it seems like he needs to start joining Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford at those breakfasts, you know, that yeah, they have together so. every morning because he, he's not on the same page as them. Seems like a couple, a couple of waffles and some orange juice or something, maybe get him back on the same page. Well, it seems like to me that Robert Woods is the guy setting the, the pick, you know, the he rub is. He is. for Cooper Cup to get open. So he's a team player, and that's great for football but not great for fantasy football because Woods, it really isn't even getting the looks. He got one shot down the sideline, but outside of that, it was a, it was a couple little second, third option type plays. And he ends up having a disappointing day three for 33 on six targets. There were Van Jefferson. I'll produced him four for 42 Deshaun Jackson, three for one twenty and a score. It's just, they can't get the ball to all these guys. Even Higby had five for 40 in Tampa Bay. Mike, or excuse me, Tom Brady, uh, 432 yards and a touchdown. They didn't seem like the same offense really to me. They Once again, they did not run the ball. They spread the ball out. Mike Evans had eight catches for 106. Chris Godwin had six for 74. Uh, and then Gronk got his four for 55. But Gio Bernard was the one who caught the late touchdown, nine for 51. And that score, you know, I, I don't know if we 
take too much away from this game. Tampa Bay is going to score a lot of points. Tom Brady's going to put up a lot of yardage and spread it out to all his guys. Mostly, if your guy is on the field and he catches the ball from Tom Brady, you're probably starting him every single week. Yeah, I'm going to have to hit up uh, one of my favorite sites, Pro Football Reference, and check the history on this one because Tom Brady was the leading rusher for his team. Three carries, <laughs> 14 yards, uh, nothing from, from Rojo, nothing from Fournette. Chris Godwin had one carry and scored a touchdown on it. Uh, I, I, he's played a long time, so I'm sure it's happened, but it, it has to be pretty rare that Brady leads his team in rushing. Yeah, Brady Brady had the rushing touchdown, the goal line plunge, and then Godwin had the other rushing touchdown. The other two, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones that you mentioned, nine carries for 19 yards between the two of them. The final game we need to talk about, the Seattle Seahawks. Go to Minnesota and lose that one 30-17 to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins looked great, very accurate throughout the game. 30 for 38 through the air, 320, 323 yards, and three touchdown passes. The story probably, guys, was Alexander Madison. He's been been talked about for years as the guy that was was the heir apparent, was that that premier handcuff-type running back, and he gets a shot with Delvin Cook on the shelf, 26 carries, 112 yards, didn't find the end zone, but caught six passes for 59 yards, Matt. He certainly looked good against a Seattle defense that is at least average against the run. Yeah, and you know, I I don't I don't really know what to do with him. I feel like this is a moment that if you if you're if you're not a cook owner or a, a, someone that has cook on your roster, then it, maybe this is your chance to get him off of your roster and free up a roster spot. Because I mean, this is what this is what you're waiting for, right? You're waiting for this game uh, where Cook is going to miss, and really what you're waiting for is is Cook to have that that bombshell moment again where he has one of those injuries that puts him out for the year. I don't really think that this is that though. You know, he's probably back next week for with uh, that sprained ankle. I don't think it was a high ankle brain so uh and you know he wasn't really close to playing this week but we didn't get news until late that he was he was going to be out so it was a true game time decision there um so if, if that's the case and he just goes back to being a bench player for you a roster clogger maybe you try to use this time to if the the uh, Dalvin Cook owner is a little bit afraid of of the current situation there maybe you use this as a moment to go and sell it to him as that backup for them uh, and you could probably get a second round pick it's in the trade finder most in uh, uh, quite a few trades for a second round pick um, so I think that probably would be my play uh, otherwise you're just, you, you hold him and you just hope, which sounds terrible to say, you don't want to hope for an injury for anyone, but if you're a Madison manager and, and you don't have cook, what else are you doing with him at this point? So this might be a time to get out and get some value back. Uh, if you are able to do that, uh, this is definitely the best game of his career filling in for, for cook when he was injured. So, uh, you know, there's a chance that you're either going to wait till the next team or, you know, just going to be holding the bag with, with this guy. So might as well get a pick now, I think. I just don't know if the bag's that big when it comes to Alexander Madison. You, you second? Know. You don't think a second? I guess. I, you know, if you can get it, and yeah, I'm probably taking it if I can. I, I don't know if a lot of people are paying it. Do you think so? I think I think a Cook manager might. I mean, if you're if you're relying on Cook to to lead you through to the finals, I assume if you have Dalvin Cook on your roster, you are a competing team, maybe a top team in your league. Uh, and with with Madison's game today, and and Cook getting banged up. You know, maybe you want to get some insurance for that. That that would be sure. my move. If you can't get a second, I'm not going to. I'm not going to move him for less than that, though. Well, I, I mean, I've got to eat some crow here. It was just two weeks ago that you know we saw Madison get the same number of touches as Amir Abdullah, and I looked at him and just thought, get this guy off your roster right now. And I think I told listeners to to take two thirds if you could get it, uh, which honestly is maybe still kind of the price. You know, one second or two thirds. Uh, but uh, of course, had had a big game in this one and, and was very impressive. So if you're holding him and you get that one that that single RB one game, which is what he's going to be in in this one and this week, then that kind of makes it worth it. I mean, if you're in a if you're in a big league and can get a top twelve week out of a bench guy, that's that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, and we knew to start him. That's the other part of it. It wasn't one of these things where Cook got hurt in the first quarter, then Madison gets the chance, right. and, and and nobody started him. Then the next week we put him in our lineups, and, and he doesn't do a thing for us. Everybody knew that if you were going to use Madison, it was this week he was going to get his opportunity. That, that passing game was working. It opened up the running game, and the Vikings looked 
look like a completely different team as to what they looked the first two weeks. Justin Jefferson, 9 for 118 and a score. Tyler Conklin caught 7 for 70 and a touchdown. And Thielen found the end zone on 6 for 50 through the air as well. They spread the ball out. They looked really good. For Seattle, Russell Wilson, man, he... He takes pressure more than any quarterback in the league. 298 yards and a touchdown. Uh, That came to DK Metcalf, who went for over 100 yards. Chris Carson was good, 12 for 80, but they were playing from behind. The rest of it was was real disappointing. Gerald Everett, 5 for 54. Lockett got banged up late in the game and only went 4 for 31. So he did his normal blow-up, then-disappear type thing. Hopefully he's okay. I don't know if there's a lot of takeaways when it comes to Seattle. Maybe not even a lot when it comes to Minnesota either. This game did show kind of the ups and downs of an NFL season because this wasn't the game I expected to play out. The the game script that I thought we would see was more of Seattle running the ball, Minnesota having to throw to catch up, and and Cousins and the receivers getting, getting theirs. That... The, really the opposite happened and a lot of that had to do with Madison and that front front five for the Vikings they were creating holes for that running game that's going to do it for this edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast guys for Ryan and Matt I'm Dan thanks for listening we'll catch you in week four